0: Life Audio.
1: Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Percius Poku. On today's episode, we want to visit uh, the topic of arguments for miracles. Arguments for miracles. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Uh, We are faced as Christians with um, anti-supernatural bias, meaning that uh, there are those, number one, don't believe in God, uh, don't believe in miracles, don't believe in the supernatural. Uh, They basically are naturalistic in their perspective regarding life. And everything that has to do with the metaphysical uh, to them does not exist. So for us as believers, I think it's important that we embrace God's miracles, um, for they are a signpost to a greater message. God, uh, intercedes on our behalf and he shows us what he's capable of when he performs miracles. Uh, the greatest miracles ever performed or one of the greatest miracles that's ever been performed was when God created, um, Everything, ex nihilo, meaning out of nothing came something. So God created or performed the greatest miracle, which was the creation of life, the creation of the universe. That is one of the greatest miracles, because if we didn't have life, if God didn't create the universe, if he didn't make uh, the privileged planet, then Uh, We wouldn't be here to experience him. We we wouldn't be here to experience what he has created. So one of the greatest miracles that God has ever created was um, the creation of the universe and uh, the creation of human uh, humanity and life and and everything that comes along with it. So miracles are possible. Okay, miracles um, can be deemed or can be looked at as the suspension Of natural events by God. Uh, The suspension. Of natural events by God. So in other words. To say something is a miracle. um, Intimates that. uh, They don't occur. Outside of the normal order of nature. Nature has an order. It's systemic. It's repetitive. Um, If you throw something up. It comes down as an example. That's that's nature's gravity. Uh, So. Uh, According to scientists, the laws of nature are constant. Now, miracles are not performed by God for entertainment purposes. So when God performs a miracle, it's not to entertain us. It's not for us to uh, look at it and say, wow, look at this miracle, and then move on about our business as if nothing has happened. No, rather, they have a divine purpose Uh, as we... Uh, look at numerous um, occurrences in Scripture. So there is a distinction there. There's a distinction between miracles and occasional occurrences um, in the natural world. So let me give you an example. For example, a solar eclipse is an infrequent event, but that doesn't make it a miracle. It's built into the... Uh, system that God has created is built into the laws of nature, solar eclipses. So let's not mistake what's natural and mix it up with the supernatural. If everything becomes a miracle, then it minimizes the significance of true and authentic miracles. So let's look at uh, Thomas Aquinas. He says that not every moment of natural things against your natural Inclination is miraculous. And that's true. Otherwise, water boiling and stones being thrown upwards would be miracles. But if such movements happen outside the established order of causes that normally cause them, then they are miracles. So his definition of a miracle, he says we need to be careful that we're not just going about labeling everything as a miracle. He says, but if such movements happen outside the established order of causes that normally cause them, then they are miracles. So that's the key term is the established order of nature. And we know that we talked about the solar eclipse. That is a natural occurrence of nature. It doesn't happen frequently, but we know it does happen infrequently and it comes about based on uh, the solar systems and based on how God has created it. So why miracles? What's the purpose of a miracle? And you may be saying to yourself right now, why should I care about miracles? You should care about miracles because miracles are performed by God to confirm his messenger as well as his message. Let me say it again. Miracles are performed by God to authenticate the messenger as well as the message. As we read, um, as an example, an incredible narrative, uh, we can see uh, the example of a miracle even at the burning bush. It says, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian and he uh, led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush of uh, uh, the, the bush rather uh, buried, burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will not turn aside and see the great sight why the bush is not burnt. And that incident right there is a miracle. How can you have a burning bush, but the bush is not consumed, but the bush is not burnt? So all through the Bible, we see this incidence of God revealing himself, performing miracles. And we just, many Bible readers just walk straight past it. And we don't pause to meditate on what God is trying to do or the message God is trying to send. And in time, uh, as men have become uh, more knowledgeable about the world around them, they've become more arrogant. As, uh, as God has blessed us more and more throughout the ages, we've become more arrogant. We've become Uh, more anti-supernatural. We become more independent and we dare to say to ourselves, God no longer exists. So some skeptics throughout the years have claimed uh, and have not accepted the Bible because some parts, according to them, are hard to believe. They have difficulties trying to reconcile the virgin birth, Uh, Jesus walking on water, bread and fish multiplied, as well as the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, they have a problem with these, um, with this information, with this reality. So, most certainly, it's even harder for the many skeptics to accept the divinity of Christ. They argue the New Testament uh, uh, that the New Testament is, in, is is incorrect about the events that I just mentioned. Then uh, they cannot embrace the Word of God. So, if the uh, virgin birth is in there, then I can't believe it. If Jesus Christ, if the Bible says, uh, Jesus Christ rose up from the dead, then I can't believe it. They can't believe it because they have a, a priori bias. Meaning they already have a bias against God. They already have a bias against the supernatural. So when they see it in the Bible, they refuse to embrace it. If the New Testament is wrong doctrinally, historically, or any truth claim is incorrect, then you don't have to accept the word of God. However, this is not the case. Uh, as we look at the evidence in front of us, some skeptics argue that disciples were mistaken. They claim that the disciples took an explainable scientific phenomenon and misdiagnosed it as miracles. James Scale, as an example, a skeptic of the New Testament, wrote, just as the ancients were not aware that the earth was spherical, they were also not aware that miracles aren't possible. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. In a sense, skeptics are not trying to revise history to challenge the New Testament. Evidence from Jewish uh, history illustrates that they uh, knew the difference between a scientific occurrence and something that was supernatural. There are many inexplicable occurrences in the field of science and medicine. These unexplainable occurrences happen so often that it has a name. They are uh, Scientists call them anomalies. Anomalies describe events that are abnormal, despite modern science' inability to explain these causes of anomalies. Uh, would we say in the 21st century uh, that these anomalies don't exist? No, they, they wouldn't say that. Also, if the New Testament accounts were not true, where did it come from? Did the New Testament writers fabricate all of these accounts? Did they borrow fanciful stories from other pagan religions? These are some of the questions many skeptics are asking in regards to miracles in the Bible. As we take a closer look at each argument, we, we've already discussed the character of the New Testament, and why fabrication of stories was against their code of ethics. Secondly, they were eyewitness to, to these events, eyewitnesses, first-hand eyewitnesses, second-hand eyewitnesses. There's absolutely no proof that the disciples used fables in their messaging. Anyone who has studied the Jewish culture would understand that the devout Jews would not adopt any pagan tales, as our skeptics claim. There are true claims about Jesus. Many skeptics have di- uh, difficulties accepting the dip- uh, depiction of Christ as recorded in the New Testament. They argue that the image and character of the historical Jesus differs from the image portrayed by the New Testament writers. Skeptics argue that the original disciples were authors, um, may not have been authors of the uh, Synoptic Gospels. They claim since the Gospel of Mark was not written until 65 AD, this allowed for legends regarding Jesus to be developed. Moreover, they claim that the image of Christ in the New Testament Could not be true because other first century documents do not substantiate the events in the New Testament. Again, all of this is tied in to the uh, veracity of miracles. Skeptics argue since there's no evidence for any pagan uh, uh, writings regarding Christ in the first century, the writers of the New Testament uh, were thus mistaken. Are these statements true? Did early Christian scribes deceive the world by writing down myth and ascribing the disciples' name to it? Did the length of time between the death of Christ and the earliest New Testament documents allow for legends to develop? Are there any pagan documents which mention Christ in the first century? In response to the authorship of New Testament document, there's no evidence to support the charges leveled against historical authorship. Early Christians were able to ascertain the authors of the gospel through the writings, uh, uh, as an example, of Clement of Rome, Ignatius, and Polycarp, who was a disciple of John. These these authors wrote no later than 110 A.D. Polycarp, in particular, had a unique insight uh, regarding the authenticity of the gospels. He knew the minds of the disciples because he was a disciple of John. So in other words, the early church was able to deduce the authors of the gospel primarily because of writings by the aforementioned writers. Despite the anonymity of their names, one can be highly certain that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were responsible for their own writings. If they were not the writers of of the many many writings, uh, many disciples would have challenged the information because they were still alive, such as uh, Polycarp, uh, who was a disciple or student of John. The next issue raised by the skeptics is myth, mythology. Did the length of time between the death of Christ and the earliest New Testament document allow for legends to develop? As I stated earlier, most experts uh, on, on the myth and legend degree uh, disagree on this point. Experts claim it takes at least two generations for a myth to develop. One of the reasons is because myth and legends are easier to propagate when the participants and eyewitnesses are no longer alive. Lastly, what about the argument that the New Testament claims regarding Christ was uh, embellished by Christians in the first century uh, or um, they borrowed it from pagan writers? In other words, if Christ would have done all the things in the Bible, he would have made a huge impact. Moreover, his impact would have caused other first century authors to write about him. So in, in, is this argument true? The answer is no. Plenty the Younger, as an example, who lives uh, around 61 to 113 A.D., who was the nephew of Plenty the Elder, spoke about Christ in his writings. Plenty published Um, nine books from 100 to 109 AD. Um, and in his book, uh, 10 Pliny sends a letter to emperor Trajan. He writes this, he said, I decided to dismiss any who deny that they are or ever have been Christians, uh, when they have requested after me a formula invoking the gods and made offerings of wine and incense to your image, which I had ordered to be wrought with the images of the gods into court. For this reason, and when they revived revived Christ, I understand that no one uh, who is really a Christian can be made to do these things. It's apparent from Pliny's writing that Jesus is indeed mentioned outside the New Testament. In addition, his writings date back to the fir- first century. And the reason why this is important as we talk about uh, the hist- historicity of Jesus, everything we believe in as Christians is centered around Christ, and if. The words of Christ are true because Christ uh, authenticate the Old Testament as as well as the words he was speaking during his time. If Christ is correct, then miracles are possible. He said in John chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, bury this temple, and in three days I will raise myself up. But we know he rose on the third day. John, the, uh, uh, the writer, claimed the following regarding uh, crisis divinity he turned water into wine miracle um he he, he prophesied about his death uh he uh, he fed five thousand people uh with five loaves of bread and two fishes in chapter six again uh miracle so jesus' words are not to be treaded on lightly uh Jesus believed in miracles because he performed them uh and and, and i think it's it, it's It's very important that we listen to Christ over critics. We listen to Christ over critics. Now, as we go through this topic, uh, we must be careful that um, we understand that we serve a God who transcends beyond time. We serve a God who's omnipotent, meaning he's all-powerful. We serve a God who is sovereign, meaning he doesn't have to check in with anyone. God can do whatever he wants to do. That's in in accordance with his nature. In Dr. Norman Geisler's uh, 12 Arguments for Christianity, he addresses uh, the following. He says the truth about reality is indeed knowable. Then number two, he says opposites uh, cannot both be true at the same time in the same sense. Number three, the theistic God exists. Number four, this is the part I like. Miracles are possible. Number five, miracles performed in connection with the truth claim are acts of God through a messenger of God. Number six, the New Testament documents are reliable. Number seven, as witness in the New Testament, Jesus claimed to be God. Number eight, Jesus' claims to divinity was proven by unique convergence of miracles. Number nine, therefore, Jesus was God in human flesh. Number ten, Whatever Jesus, who is God, affirmed is true, and it is true. Whatever he affirmed uh, as true is true. Eleven, Jesus affirmed that the Bible is the word of God. And the last one, uh, number 12, therefore, it is true that the Bible is the word of God, and whatever is opposite or goes against it is false. Those are the late Dr. Norman Geisler's 12 arguments for Christianity. These arguments move beyond faith and personal experience. If the New Testament is historically reliable, then we must deal with its truth claims. The New Testament states Jesus claims to be the son of God to prove his divinity. Jesus even claimed to be God. So in other words, Jesus was God in human flesh. If the New Testament account of Jesus miracles are true, then why can't we discuss um, all of this in an objective fashion? actual historical events must be treated with the same standard just because a christian proclaimed jesus as god does not mean you can automatically dismiss the claim the question is did jesus do the things in the first century that demonstrate his divine attributes christian apologists scholars are not saying just have faith we're not saying that on the contrary uh, we're saying welcome others to use similar truth standards in conducting the investigation as those, uh, secular, uh, philosophers and, uh, secular scientists. Uh, let's use the same standards on both sides. Uh, so for example, I, I uh, I've never met Abraham Lincoln. I've seen his pictures and documentaries on television. I've read certain materials which were attributed to him. I've been in the presence of the, uh, uh, uh um, i haven 't been in the presence of those who knew him personally, but he has descendants so just because we make truth claims about lincoln we 've never met him doesn 't necessarily mean that our truth claims is not true. when one uses the same criteria for the life of christ we will- inc- we will conclude that the New Testament is indeed reliable. Yes, we can trust the new uh testament uh writings, especially as it uh, relates to miracles. The term miracle or supernatural, again, is often misunderstood in our society today. In a world filled with skeptics, naturalists, materialists, miracles are rarely discussed. Events that are of supernatural nature are often ignored because many argue that it can't be proven scientifically. Uh, We can't put it uh, it, uh, we can't test it in our labs. Uh, we, we, we can't see it in a microfiche. Uh, we can't test it with all of the uh, tools that we have available to us to ascertain whether or not miracles are uh, viable or, or, or miracles exist. And just because we can't gauge it with our uh, equipment, we argue that miracles do not exist. Well, that's not a scientific response. Uh, if we use all of the tools at hand, if we, if we use logic, if we use science, if we use philosophy, and we are open to discovering the truth, we would come to the same conclusion. Our eyes would be open, and we would learn that God does indeed perform miracles. Uh, God can heal. Uh, God can create God can close doors that no man uh, uh, can open. So miracles do happen where God performed things that blows our mind. Uh, when we talk about the Red Sea, uh, when we talk about uh, man falling from the sky, when we look at uh, New Testament and uh, uh, those that have a bleeding problem and Jesus is able to uh, heal, uh, heal them. But the greatest miracle, as I said before, Uh, is not just the creation of the universe, but Jesus resurrected on the third day. I pray that you consider these points and that you don't give up on God. He's still performing miracles. He's still saving. And we ask uh, that you continue to pray for this ministry as we pray for you. Remember to do for the truth what others do for a lie. Please give online and support this ministry.
0: That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time and remember Titus 1 9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught, so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org.
1: And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio.